713, are you eastbound on Brooklyn? Shots fired. Northbound 41 from Brooklyn. Welcome to the Slapshot USA Shots Fired podcast, where we help you learn to prepare, prevent, and protect. We know how to keep you and your family safe because it's been our family's business for over 30 years. Every month, we will have multiple segments from differing topics, um, hosts and perspectives from law enforcement, product experts, legal perspectives in Washington State, and updates of the market as we keep our finger on the pulse in our neck of the woods here in Cowlitz County. Today, we're having subject matter expert Randy Tig talk, and he's going to be giving stories in honor of Police Memorial right after this commercial break we're going to be getting right into it this is mike local owner of your longview grocery outlet every time you check out a grocery outlet you're saving 40 to 60 percent off brand name groceries 40 to 60 percent off beer and wine 40 to 60 percent off organics 40 to 60 percent off protein powders and vitamins fresh meat fresh produce fresh dairy housewares pet supplies come see how much you can save we'll circle your savings when you check out local owners low prices and lots to love Longview Grocery Outlet. Grocery Outlet, bike and market. In recognition of Police Memorial Week, I would like to share an experience from my 30 years of police service. This is the story of a man with whom I served. We were hired on the same day and went through basic and advanced training together. He was intriguing to me because he was a man who presented as intellectual and mild-mannered. He was tall, thin, curly hair, and a little gawky. He did not have the demeanor or appearance of a man who I would imagine would want to be a police officer. We lived together in a dorm for several months. I learned he came from a family who, by his description, were liberal and intellectual. In casual conversation, you could see the influence of their values in his demeanor. It was clear to me he and I came from different circumstances, and I considered him a friend. One day, while having lunch with a few of my coworkers, I made a comment related to the table talk, and one of my peers said that my beliefs might be offensive to some people. Then my mild-mannered friend, Tom, said, a man is entitled to his opinion. If somebody is offended, that may be more their problem than his. I remember thinking to myself, what just happened? He followed up by telling me, he may not agree with me, but my beliefs did not offend him. His decision to weigh in on my behalf contradicted my initial impression of him. Perhaps he was not as mild-mannered as I thought. He and I trained, studied, and had meals together. We learned that we both worked corrections, and we had several similar experiences in that occupation. And we developed a friendship on our common ground. While sitting at lunch break, I related a concern about my son being picked on at school because he was little, how my wife and I had made the decision to teach him to defend himself. We assured him we would have his back if he had to defend himself. My critical coworker again weighed in. She said, there is never an excuse for kids to fight. The finality and tone of the objection informed me she strongly disagreed with our parenting. This person's opinions caused an interesting moment as Tom weighed in on the situation based on his own experiences. He started telling us about his experience in school. I got the impression he was approximately 13 or 14 years old at the time. Tom started talking about how he was a tall, skinny kid in school and his appearance attracted the attention of bullies, especially one particular bully. Tom recounted his experience as he would go to school and this bully and his friends would take every opportunity to embarrass, intimidate, assault, and humiliate him. He told us how he asked teachers for help and was told to ignore this bully and his friends. He was told to be the better person. 
Tom talked to his parents, who offered advice to be reasonable and try to talk to the bullies. He said things got so bad, he was terrified to go to school, couldn't eat or sleep, and eventually thought maybe he was wrong and worthless. He described the day that he had reached the limit. He felt the adults who he trusted let him down and simply would not help him, and the situation was hopeless. Tom said he struggled with his personal worth and his desire to exist. In this period of desperation, he made a decision. He decided this bully would not torment him for one more day. He said he got a knife and resolved the first moment the bully began to abuse him, he would kill him. He conveyed the desperation of a young man who was on his own, forced to deal with ongoing abuse. As he told us this story, I could see that his experience at the hands of these bullies and the failure of the system to protect him still generated strong emotions. As I listened, there was no doubt in my mind the intense misery that drove him to this desperate decision was real. He was a young man and nobody would protect him. As he recounted the story, I could see in his eyes the same pain and disillusionment I saw in my own son's eyes. Tom said he went to school that day with absolute resolve. This was the last time this bully would ever bother him. He said he saw the boy, the boy noticed him, but this time the bully just kept his distance and did not say a single word. That was the last day he was bullied. Tom had his life back. This was a desperate path. He was a child who nobody would help. His story assured me we had made the correct choice in helping our son fight back. Tom looked at our critical peer and told her she had no idea what she was talking about, how she would see things differently if she had been bullied to the point she no longer wanted to live. He told me he knew exactly what my son was suffering and our decision to teach him to fight back was the difference between hope and hopelessness. Whatever I thought I knew about him, based on my initial interactions, was evaporating rapidly. I had gotten this guy wrong. I counted myself lucky to have a friend like Tom. There were many days, lunchtimes, and conversations where he and I told stories we thought were funny, and our peers disagreed. On July 27, 1997, at 2323 hours, Tom got an emergency dispatch, a domestic violence call. A man was abusing a woman and trying to force her to comply with his demands. The boyfriend pointed a gun at the woman's seven-year-old son and demanded she comply, or he would kill her son. She refused to comply and begged her boyfriend to stop. He shot her son, and Tom and other officers responded to capture this man. Tom found the suspect. He and other officers chased the suspect on foot, and Tom confronted the suspect, who shot him three times. Although Tom was badly wounded, he returned fire, hitting the suspect and radioed tactical instructions for responding officers who captured the suspect alive. Tom was transported to the hospital and died just after midnight. When I heard the devastating news, I recalled that story he told us about the bully. It seemed somehow prophetic that Tom was the hero that faced this bully down. He left this world never having seen his unborn child. I hope they passed and met for a moment before she was born. When the dust settled, Tom's life stood as a testament. There was no doubt Tom was the better man. On this day, we honor and remember the officers who have given their lives in the pursuit of protecting and serving others. The officers who went where we fear to go, saw what we fear to see, and have done what we fear to do. To those who run to the gunfire while others flee, we honor and remember you. Today, when you see a peace officer, thank them for their dedication and service in one of the hardest times of being an officer. In honor and appreciation, the brothers and sisters they have lost.